Hi, uh, this is uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of new companies, new ideas in products and science, and sometimes a little look at the future. And today we get all of that in uh, one package uh, here with uh, Omar Dukish. And you are literally uh, one of our uh, uh, newest investments at Amaterra. And uh, you guys actually are helping us prepare for the future. So, you know, sometimes we get asked, are you interested in the environment and climate and all that kind of thing, like so many funds are? And we are, but from the point of view of products, that we believe that certain kinds of products, food, other things may become difficult to produce in the old-fashioned ways uh, with the world changing around us. And that's really uh, what you guys are about. So maybe uh, we can start, thank you for being here, by having you describe just what Amaterra does. And then we can talk more about why we found it so uh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So Amaterra, it's a biotech platform to accelerate the breeding of uh, perennial crops. Uh, perennial crops, it's uh, all the coffee, bananas, cacao, grapes uh, out there. And um, these kind of crops, they are facing a lot of uh, challenges because of climate change, but also massive diseases. But on the other hand, the solution could be to create new varieties that are more adapted to their environment, but um, we don't have the tools to create these new varieties. It takes more than 20 years with uh, traditional breeding techniques and targeted, uh, targeted genome techniques like CRISPR are facing a lot of technological limits on this kind of crop. So uh, Amatera is really uh, at the crossroad of uh, this challenge to develop an alternative that is uh, really efficient to create a more adapted variety to the environment. And uh, we are focusing on coffee, uh, actually, um, because coffee is one of the most under threat crop. Uh, by 2050, half of the suitable land to grow Arabica will have disappeared. Uh, so we really have to find a solution to uh, to replace the Arabica or to make it more sustainable. And uh, we are working hard on that to create, uh, we call it the Robustica, but uh, happy to come back on that. So yeah, yeah. And, and maybe go into it a little more de detail. But so I can imagine folks listening to this or watching this going, oh, great, Franken crops. So here's more weird science coming to produce something that's really not natural at all. And they're going to try and convince us it's natural and better, but it's just weird. And in your case, it's actually natural. So uh, why don't you talk about that a bit? Because this isn't GMO type stuff at all. Yeah, totally. Um, basically, what we do is to, um, so in nature, uh, what nature does, so there is the natural evolution of plants, and then there is the natural selection of plants to select the best one according to uh, one specific environment. We are basically taking this, what happens in the nature, but we do it at a cellular level directly. So we are accelerating the natural evolution of plants directly at a cellular level, and then we are accelerating the selection of the baseline that will be the most adapted to the environment at a cellular level. So our approach is 100% natural, um, but uh, we are just speeding the process because uh, nature is not evolving uh, sufficiently uh, faster enough as compared to uh, the climate change. Uh, and also another issue is that we have stopped the evolution of these crops. So the, the grapes, the coffee, the cacao, they are all cloned today. So uh, basically we selected uh, one line 50 years ago, 
because it was great and we have cloned it. And now we have only this genotype in the nature. So we have stopped the evolution of the plants. And on the other side, on the other side we have accelerated the evolution of the environment. So we are just, we are balancing uh, this mm -hmm. by accelerating the natural evolution of the plants also. Helping the natural process that plants go through if we aren't getting in their way a little faster than uh, it might happen on its own. And also looking at that natural process, recognizing what's going on. So you're looking for those strains that might show the right characteristics as opposed to just throwing them out there and letting nature uh, make it slow, but certain choice. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned Arabica and Robusta and... Uh, there may be folks uh, listening in who don't, you know, aren't experts on coffee or whatever. So uh, most of the coffee, at least in uh, the U.S., Europe, comes from Arabica beans, which uh, have been favored because of certain perceived flavor characteristics and things like that. But they're really princess in the pea kind of crop. They're very finicky, very hard to grow, and very particular about their circumstances right yeah so um the arabica it's today it's uh between 60 to 70 percent of the global coffee production so uh, it's really the, the biggest uh species of coffee uh, produced uh but uh the arabica is a uh, it's a plant that needs to be grown in high altitude with uh, a really uh low variability of temperature and um in terms of uh yield it's a low yield uh, variety so it's produce two to three times less than a, a Robusta. So you combine all this, you have a cost of production really high. You have a high uh, susceptibility to insects. That's why uh, most of the time it's grown in high altitude and high altitude are much more complicated to auto automatize. So Arabica is great in terms of crop quality, but in terms of uh, as a crop, right. it's, yeah, it's a fragile crop. And Robusta is the other type yeah. of coffee, uh, which uh, essentially is just like its name sounds, sort of tough and hardy, but has been looked down upon, well, for a, a bunch of reasons in the past. Uh, so talk a little about that. And then what are you doing with Robusta now to uh, uh, help uh, bring it forward? Yes, so exactly the, the Robusta, you have it in the name, it's a really robust variety um, and really strong in terms of agronomy. It uh, it is grown at a lower altitude, uh, between uh, 50 to 600 uh, meters uh, above sea level. So it's much more um, mass uh, scale production for uh, Robusta. Um, and in terms of robustness, really good. But uh, the issue of the robusta is uh, the taste uh, that is really bitter. So today, uh, the 30% of uh, production uh, coming from the robusta are blended with the arabica to reduce this uh, bitterness. And what we are engineering at Amatera is to, uh, to select with our natural evolution process, the lines that are much less bitter uh, to have a, um, an organoleptic profile, so a cup quality uh, from our robust lines that will be much more closer, closer to uh, the Arabica ones. Right, and so the coffee will taste good and all that, but it can be grown all kinds of places it couldn't be grown before and grown in the kind of uh, environment that we may uh, quite possibly be facing in a globally changed uh, climate. Yeah, 
Yeah, because um, when we look to uh, the expert uh, projection uh, for uh, the lens suitable to grow uh, the Arabica on one side, they will be divided by two. But for the Robusta, uh, in contrary, they will be multiplied by two. And um, there are already uh, much more lens to grow Robusta. So the Robusta, uh, in terms of uh, lens uh, available, uh, is really perfect and uh, won't need any deforestation to uh, to satisfy the, the the global demand that will probably double by then and uh, yeah and also in terms of um, of carbon footprint so coffee it's uh, it's an issue it's uh, quite polluting uh, crowd to produce the robusta has a carbon footprint that is two to three times uh, lower than the arabica so it's uh, yeah, we avoid uh, deforestation. Uh, we have a uh, less emitting uh, coffee. So the the Robusta is really a nice uh, species to work uh, on, and uh, that can be a part of the solution uh, for the coffee issue. So here we are talking about coffee and other plants and selective breeding and the climate, uh, which only makes perfect sense given that your background is in finance. So how did you come to be doing this? Why did you choose this of all things? Why aren't you making money on the boards or something. Uh, how did this happen? Yeah, uh, it happens because uh, I'm born in a farm and I've grown uh, among uh, a lot of farmers around me. So it was my deep ground. Uh, I was grounded in this space, uh, but uh, I was uh, I went to another direction for a few years. Uh, so I, I did an engineering school and I specialized in finance. I was at uh, BNP Paribas, uh, the French bank, in the team dedicated to startup financing, because um, yeah, I wanted to build something, but I wanted to learn how to how I will have to finance my company later. So uh, I learned all this, uh, and then uh, after a little bit less than four years, I thought it was I was ready to uh, to start something uh, on my own, and um, I built a, a first company that were still in finance. Uh, so. Uh, I uh, had not the big um, introspection on myself on what I wanted to do. So I continued in this finance uh, space. Uh, but after a year, uh, we had divergence with my co-founder and I stopped, uh, take a break. And uh, I was in a mindset where I wanted to build another company, but uh, not anymore in the finance uh, industry. And I, that's where the agriculture came back. Uh, and uh that's where the passion is basically for me. I really, uh, I'm passionate about what we are doing and uh, always uh, discussing with farmers and uh, the food industry. It's, um, yeah, there are big challenges and I like that. And uh, so it's coming from the family, if we can say. Got it. Interesting. I didn't even realize that. But you have a couple of co-founders who have a lot of background in, in this. So how did you find them or they find you to help you get this going? Yeah, so microfounder is uh, really much more specialized on uh, on the plant uh, engineering and the plant metabolism. Uh, she uh, she has a PhD in uh, the plant secondary metabolism, so how a plant produces a specific metabolite, the bitterness uh, pathway. It's specifically the meta the secondary metabolite, and um, also how to engineer this metabolite this metabolite pathway to improve the plants. So that's her expertise. And uh, we've met at um, Entrepreneur First. Entrepreneur First is a, a startup studio uh, that we have here uh, in France and uh, in Europe. Uh, so we've met there and uh, yeah, rapidly we had uh, so many uh, common uh, aspiration and motivation that uh, we arrived on uh, this amateur project. Um, Got it. Cool. So this is 
really cool science and uh, fascinating to us, but how is it a business? So how do you plan to turn this whizzy science uh, with coffee or other crops into a company of uh, substantial value? Yeah, so today we are creating two coffee varieties, uh, the Robustica that I explained, and another one that will be uh, caffeine-free to replace the decaf uh, part of the market. So these two coffee varieties for Amatewa, they are kind of um, a proof of concept of the technology itself. Uh, so we are proving that uh, our accelerated uh, breeding uh, technology is working by creating these two coffee varieties. This, uh, these varieties will be licensed to uh, global trading houses. In the coffee market, uh, there are six big trading houses managing most of the, uh, the flows between growing countries and uh, consuming countries. So they will be the licensor of um, our proprietary coffee varieties. That's one part of our business. But uh, on a much shorter time frame, um, the technology that we have built and uh, that is now working on coffee we will offer it um, as a co-developer uh, with uh, agri-food uh, companies willing to uh, improve their crop to uh, to sustain their supply chain. So uh, it can be on coffee, but uh, we have uh, discussions on cacao, on grapes. It can be applied really on all the perennial crops. So uh, now we have to uh, to figure out uh, what will be the next crop after coffee. Uh, but um, yeah, that's the plan. Have this platform uh, co-development um part in our business to generate um, revenue, uh, not uh, waiting uh, 2027 to have the first production of our coffee varieties. Got it. And will folks know that you're there uh, or will you be just behind the scenes, that they'll be buying coffee from chock full of nuts or whatever, uh, and you may be making that possible, but nobody will know it? Or is there going to be, you know, Amaterra derived kind of thing uh, so that folks know that they're getting this more environmentally friendly, maybe more appropriate type of uh, crop? Yeah, so uh, it's uh, really a, an ongoing question. Uh, we are defining the the right strategy because it's not a, an easy to address market and how to penetrate and make produce our uh, varieties and then to distribute them is not uh, that easy. So probably we will have a model where uh, the consumer uh, will know uh, that uh, these varieties uh, are the one uh, from Amatewa, but it won't be uh, distributed under Amatewa brands. Um, so it's really, uh, you have in the decaf market, uh, a company called uh, Swiss Water Decaf. It's an interesting model because they have developed this uh, this brand image on a uh, they are decaffeinating coffee, but with a cleaner uh, manner. And uh, the consumer can know, even if it's on uh, any distributor, can know that uh, this coffee has been decaf decaffeinated by Swiss Water Decaf. So probably it will be something like that uh, for a materials variety. Got it. So um, what keeps you up at night? Uh, what uh, is your biggest uh, worry? Uh, is it competitors? Is it food companies that don't get it, uh, legal issues or what? No, it's uh, to get onboard farmers. Uh, so I'm confident that we will have the varieties that we, we are planning to and we are developing. So uh, they will uh, be good. But uh, then to introduce a new trophy variety in the trophy market is, uh, 
is really challenging. Nobody has succeeded in that. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's the biggest challenge basically to uh, make a farmer adopt uh, one specific variety, make it produce separately uh, from the other varieties that he is already growing and uh, have a full traceability of this variety to the consumer. That's the challenge. And so how are you going to go about that? Will you have Johnny apple seeds or Johnny coffee seeds going from co-op to co-op uh, promoting this or, you know, some sort of giant food shows that people go to to find out about what's new? How do you plan to get this in the market? Yeah, so with trading houses, um, on the seeds big trading houses, there are three that are really uh, grounded, uh, really close to the farmer. They have a uh, the nursery capabilities to uh, to mass propagate a variety and uh, uh, deal with farmers directly. So to contract uh, farming with them and uh, make them produce a specific uh, variety. So the trading houses are probably the the, the well placed uh, in the market today to make adopted uh, new varieties. And uh, there is one example. Uh, Ecom is one of them, uh, and uh, Ecom is uh, working with CWAD, uh, one of our partners, because CWAD is it's a research institute that developed uh, new varieties, and Ecom is putting these varieties to the market. So they are experimenting uh, this um, this introduction of new variety in the market, and uh, probably uh, the trading houses will be the great partner to uh, to achieve. Uh, our goal and uh, the implementation of our variety in the market. Got it. So, um, so where are you in this now? So you said it wouldn't take till twenty twenty seven. When will it take? So, what will we see from uh, you and the company next year, year after? What are your uh, near term goals? Yeah. So the 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 goals are ready to um to have the most uh, performing technology. So meaning uh, the most automatized one uh, where we can um, develop uh, thousands, tens of thousands uh, lines uh, in our uh, in our pipeline and be um, efficient on other crops than coffee. So to uh, to scale the technology, uh, to uh, grapes, cacao, thinking also banana. So um, yeah, next year it will be uh, it will be that to figure out which uh, which is the best crop for the second application of our technology and um, prove that it works on another crop as well. And um, and then once we will have proven that it works on two completely different crops uh, to scale it to uh, all the demand. Uh, but uh, all the crops are facing uh, challenges uh, in the, our current environment. So, so yeah, we'll have a lot of work uh, to do uh, on that. Got it. Well, we believe very strongly that food production has to be decoupled from its history in a lot of ways. Uh, new strains, uh, new ways to grow food, uh, new ways to distribute food, all of that. So we're very excited about this and can't wait to see how it uh, comes out. Uh, we got a lot of coffeeholics on the team and there are a lot of coffeeholics out there and uh, folks just take for granted that it'll be there. Uh, and uh, and it's important uh, from a commercial point of view that it is. So uh, can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, what can we do to help right now? And looking forward, uh, you know, as investors, we're here to help. Uh, what would you love us to do? Yeah, so um, I think we are 
today uh, what we are the most looking for is to have the introduction to the right uh, people in these big uh, and giant agri-food uh, companies uh, that have the power to... Uh, so because uh, if we take the chocolate industry or the coffee industry, the roasting company, for instance, uh, they are at the end of the value chain, but uh, they are the ones that have the, uh, the capabilities uh, and mostly the financial capabilities to develop within programs uh, that can solve uh, the issue uh, at the beginning of the value chain. And uh, so to have uh, the introduction to, uh, to the white people uh, at these agri-food companies in the coffee, but also in the cacao and in the banana industry, um, that's where uh, you can be the most uh, valuable for Matewa today. Um, and um, yeah, so if you can, uh, also always happy to Happy to. I, in fact, I mentioned you to one of our portfolio companies. It is a coffee company, and she got all excited. Um, they uh, uh, produce coffee, and then in Vietnam, it's a Vietnamese American company, and then deliver it uh, to young women in cities in Asia, in the U.S. in a very clever form. But what you're doing is core to her. And uh, we have relations with a number of the food companies, but also potentially with some of the co-ops, at, at least in coffee. A lot of the growth is from these co-ops on the ground in the producing countries, which tend to not be the U.S. and not be France and to be Costa Rica and African countries and all that sort of things. And uh, curiously enough, some of my friends are involved with that because of the big families. So these co-ops are owned by landowners and the landowners tend to be prominent families in those cultures and prominent families in these cultures tend to be wealthy. And if they're wealthy, they get to know people who can help them with their wealth. And people like that tend to know people like me. So uh, in that way, uh, I think we probably can help. And and we've been hearing a lot about some of the issues on the ground with these, uh, you know, the roasters are one group of folks who actually finish the beans and produce the product like Starbucks and all this kind of thing. But uh, uh, between that and the folks that actually are growing the plants, there's a very peculiar infrastructure, very old school, almost medieval infrastructure that uh, uh, also is sort of yearning for some change so that more of the value of growing this crop actually stays with the folks who do the work and not with all of the folks between them and your cup, uh, which is to some degree the way it is now. That's uh, the change. And uh, when... We are thinking of uh, a new uh, coffee variety development. So the, the two that we are developing today, they are really creating value by themselves. So uh, when we, we create a caffeine-free, we remove the cost of the decaffeination that is uh, really high. And with the Robustica, we are competing with the, the price of an Arabica, but with a lower uh, cost of production. So this value creation that we are making, the, the role is really to share this value with the farmers to have a more... Uh, integrated and sustainable model with them and it's also the the leverage to uh, get them on board so um yeah it's uh totally the the plan uh and uh that's what we expect to do uh to retribute the farmers that will grow our variety uh much better than uh what they are today yeah. uh, terrific well excited can't wait to see what happens next let's make a pledge to do this again in a year and see how much things have changed and uh, see where things are uh delighted to be investors and uh, uh think you're doing something that is great commercially great environmentally and uh and important 
uh, in many ways for many people. Thank you, Mike. And uh, yeah, no, and I'm really happy to, to have you on board also. So um, thank you to be part of the journey. Very, very exciting.